Welcome to the non-standard 14er podcast, the podcast that tells you everything the route description leaves out about hiking Colorado's 14er. I'm joined again by Colorado Trail Patrick, CTP, and the exiled Michigander. We're sitting around my kitchen table uh, underneath the shadow at this time of Pyramid Peak Porter, an Aspen Brewing poster. Today we're going to talk about a 14er in the Elk region, one of the more dangerous 14ers that people always want beta about, one of those ones where you're starting the 14ers and you're reading about it and you don't know whether you can really uh, do it if, if you're going to try to do all the 14ers. So we're going to talk about our experience climbing Pyramid Peak. Exiled Michigander, what do you think? Well, that's a pretty broad question. <laughs> I, when I, did you climb Pyramid? <clears throat> when did I climb it? Yes. I did it once solo in, I think, 2012. And then you and I did it. Well, I'm sorry. Well, you and I and Patrick attempted it. And Patrick and I on that day summited it. And that was what, 2014, 2013? I would guess 14. Mm-hmm. Um, Sounds right. So, yeah, I was up, up at once solo. And once it, uh, again with friends. And, uh, yeah, it's a, I would like to say it's like up in my favorites because the experience is just fantastic. The views are fantastic. Once you get done, you really have this, this sense of accomplishment. But on the other hand, it is also like pretty, I think, frightening climb in some regards. So it's one that I'm happy to have done twice. I don't know if I'll ever do it a third time. And Pat, you did it back with Sean and I. In 2015, what did you think? You've finished all the 14ers. Where do you put Pyramid in your ranking of most difficult? Yes. So, yeah, 2014. Uh, it was July of 2014. You know, Pyramid was, at the time, was the first real sort of introduction into that rotten elk rock. Um, I had I, done Snowmass prior, and Snowmass is, you know, I almost felt in some ways was looser than or more loose than pyramid but pyramid kind of loomed a little large and and it was much tougher than uh <clears throat> than snow mass i i think pyramid would probably be in my top five favorite or difficulty difficulty favorite uh i mean they're all fun that was a it was a good it was a good difficult fourteen. but yeah top five difficulty top 10 favorite and what number was it on your list of 58? Oh, if that was 2014, then it was probably right around number uh, 50, I would say. But before you did Capital? It was before. And before you did any of the Bells? Yeah, yeah. Pyramid was my first, uh, like I said, uh, real introduction into that. I mean, Snowmass, I've been there, Castle and Conundrum, but... Pyramid was kind of that first foray into those last real kind of difficult, intimidating uh, 14ers. So we're talking about Pyramid is the peak right by the Maroon Bell. So there's three 14ers right out of that trailhead. It's the st- it's the famous Maroon Bell, Maroon Lake trailhead. Is that the trailhead? Um, near Aspen. You kind of hike up past Maroon Lake and then up through the trees, and then you turn off before you get to Crater Lake, and go up to the Maroon Bells Trail, you turn off left, and it's a real easy uh, turn off to miss. A lot of people, a lot of trip reports on 14ers.com talk about missing that turn off, mm-hmm. particularly because you're starting in the dark. And then you got these really steep switchbacks, right, that you're normally doing in the dark. And then it opens up to this amphitheater. 
Yeah, that turnoff, I remember, in the dark was, especially in the dark, was really tough. I remember we dropped our packs, our heavy packs, after camping. We dropped those at that turnoff. Well, I would say, let's go back a little bit, because, you know, just getting to the trailhead, um, and it is a Maroon Lake trailhead, um, requires some forethought, because it's not always possible to park right at the trailhead. Um, depending on the season, depending on the person at the gate. So because it's, uh, it's a super touristy area, <laughs> and I think you have to take a shuttle now from Aspen to even right before five from the Aspen Highlands parking lot, mm-hmm. and you can take a shuttle, which I think costs. It's not cheap. I want to say it's is it twenty dollars? I think so. If you go if you go after, then you you put your money in after uh, five. Yeah, then you put your money yeah. in the overnight. But if you're if you're doing an overnight trip. Uh, they will, um, you're allowed to drive up there and camp overnight, but you do have to pay. And yes, and you're at the sort of the risk of not finding a spot. And that may, that may well change with the growing population, the growing population of people who want to do 14 ers that, that the parking might just be unavailable unless you pay or do something. That's true. Cause they just permitted years. conundrum. So, you know, who knows, it might be the best bet in the future might be to get rent one of those campgrounds, um, you know, Silver about, Bell or Silver Queen or something. And, and, think about all the yeah. things that have changed in the Maroon Bells Wilderness area over the last bunch of years where, you know, I remember as as a kid being able to just go up there freewheeling, do whatever you want. And uh, now, yeah, it's 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 shut down to during the weekday travel. You have to take the bus in um, camping overnight. You need a reservation for a lot of these. Uh, uh, there's no campfires allowed, which, you know, which we found out is not allowed at the uh, campsites. Paying to paying to get in, uh, the, the use of bear canisters. Now those are required if you're camping overnight uh, versus just bear bags. Um, so yeah, a lot has changed up there, but it's, it's a highly popular area and, it, you know, a lot of them it's for good things. And then, so yeah, the, the, Parking itself presents some logistical difficulties. And then leaving the parking lot, you hike around Maroon Lake. That's usually filled with people taking photographs of the Maroon Bells, which gives your ego quite a boost usually because, you know, typically you might have an ice axe or at least you're going to have some gear that makes it look, you know, helmet, something that makes it look like you're climbing the mountains. So you're going to get comments as you hike in. People might even want to take photos of you. And then you get to uh, this... um, I guess they used to call it the Maroon Bells kiosk. Uh, there used to be two signs. One was a metal sign, and one's a, I think it's a wood sign. They both, but they kind of described the technical difficulties of the Maroon Bells and Pyramid Peak. So that was always, for me, it was my superstition like, never read those signs until you come back down from any of those peaks. Yeah, the gullies are death traps, and the snowfields are poor, or the snowfields are poorly consolidated, yeah. and the gullies are death traps. Even what is it? Even experts have died on these peaks. <laughs> they have, they, have the bells. they yeah, rarely the, give you a second chance. I think is the one. Famously rotten. Those the rock is there. It's you. You always you check every foot and handle hold before you commit. That's just a elk mountain climbing one on one really. And then this is where I think we disagree because I hate the climb from that kiosk up to Crater Lake. It always just I don't, it's kind. Of, it's not that steep, but it always just like took it right out of me at the beginning for some reason. It's it's steep and it's not a 
It's longer you than know, you think. It's kind of a, it's it's right between class one and class two. It's not really like a smooth trail. There's kind of rocks that can twist your ankle, and especially if you're doing it in the dark. I never liked that section. It just seemed to really take a lot out of me. So I was I always was in favor of hiking up past that, camping, and then starting past that and going up in the the next morning. But I think you guys found that section a lot easier than I did. I, you know, the one thing about hiking in in the Bells is I do it. I'm in awe every time because it's just, just awestruck by the scenery. And, and, you know, Sean always mentions just how magical that place feels. And it does. It really calls to you. And, and you just – it's like rejuvenation. Um, the one thing that I would say – I would almost put it at, like, class 10 because any of the people that have – the tourists that have traveled to the area – None of them will say hi, wave, acknowledge your existence on that trail, which is, you know, when you're on a trail, there's, you don't have to say hi or talk to anybody, but it's usually just kind of like a nod of the head because we're all in the backcountry for a reason. And I always just was in awe. You know, 20 times I've been on that trail, just how many assholes <laughs> won't, won't acknowledge you're like, how's it going? And they just like, they act like you smell, like maybe, maybe I did smell, who knows, but <laughs> I was always yeah. just sort of weirded out by the fact that people were so like non-personable. That's weird because you know, I've, and I've met some people who were personable and friendly there, but I think it might be that so many people are are not doing the bells; they're doing the four-pass loop, which it, you know we could do a whole episode on the four-pass loop. It's sure. awesome, but I think maybe those people who are doing four-pass loop, they're kind of longing for solitude and. Sure. And now as it's getting more and more crowded, they're not getting that solitude. So maybe it's like when they bump into people, it's like, oh, here's some other jerk I have to put up with. <laughs> Still, I think it's right. kind of the kind thing to do. Is I mean, the least you can do is kind of nod, right? I mean, even if you don't say hi, give a friendly nod you know to what? acknowledge someone else's existence. It's like your neighbor. Like yeah. you walk out. Like I've never wanted to get know, to know my neighbors, but I always acknowledge them. So I'm always kind of like, hey, you know, I don't want to have conversations with you all the time, but I'll acknowledge your existence. <laughs> you waved at me. I'll say, I don't know, maybe that's a, it's a Colorado thing. I know I realize like when people come from back East, which I know short rope came from, uh, Pennsylvania, which is not as bad, but like people that come from New York, <clears throat> they're always just in awe of how friendly people are out here. And they're like, but the Aspen area is pretentious in itself. So the people that thoroughly. are day hiking are different than the yeah. normal yeah. people on Cresto need or South colony or back at Kit Carson or, even hiking beer stud. You're getting a lot of people that aren't doing the 14ers, as he said. Not even the four pass loop. They're just they're just cruising the day trails. Uh, well, that's the problem yeah. with that parking lot is you have access to Maroon, North Maroon Pyramid, but the four pass loop I think sucks the parking overnight parking. If you're doing the four pass loop, you might be parking there for four days. Yeah, that's risky. Yeah. So we're taking them up Pyramid Peak. There's kind of like four stages. You have the mile and a half ish hike that you don't like, past the kiosk, up toward Crater Lake, and you got to make that turnoff. So that's the first piece of advice we give people: is either have that turnoff marked in your GPS, or be very, very cognizant of it in the dark of looking for that giant Karen. Yeah. Because it's easy to miss. There's almost like there's two entrances, isn't there? There are. And yeah. I think there are two Cairns. One, one when you're going up, and one when you're going down, as I recall. One seems to be bigger than the other. But much like the route. <laughs> when you get to the um, but yeah, once it flat, as you go up and it flattens, you're not quite to Crater Lake yet. But there's going to be a point where that trail flattens out, um, and that's where you really start need to look to your left hand side, and and start looking for that cairn. Because especially in the dark, again, 
very easy to miss. And I speak from experience on that because I think I missed it both times. Because it's like a delta. It's like a triangle. <laughs> and both times I've done pyramid, I went up the one way and did not come back the same way. Mm-hmm. I went mm-hmm. by a different Karen on the way back down than I went on the way up. So I don't know. I, I get confused on that area. And then it's probably, what, about 1,000 feet of steep switchbacks to get to the amphitheater? I think the amphitheater breaks open about 11.3. That's a workout mm-hmm. up to that. But I tell you what, once you once you push through that, you know, once you you know light is starting to kind of break and you push into that amphitheater, that's when you, you really see that, you know, I'm going to I'm going to steal the words from Jerry Roach and just say that's when the introduction is over. Mm-hmm. Like you're you're staring right up right up at pyramid and you realize just how uh, how far you have to go. Yeah, those switchbacks are are definitely, you know, you're still it's still early and you're fresh normally so they're they're tedious um but they're manageable i think on the way down which we'll get to later i think the way down the switchbacks are, are worse but but yeah and then and then you get up to that amphitheater and the uh so-called rock glacier and then you get a little bit of like a little bit of a rest it's interesting the amphitheater is very interesting scenery and it's not quite as steep it's a lot of border hopping though it's still one of those concentrate on every move don't break your ankle talus hopping yeah. But it, like, I mean, the, the one nice thing sometimes about switching from like steep switch switchbacks that are like easy hiking but just tedious to the harder boulder hopping is it like kind of energizes your mind. It's like, oh, okay, yeah, I have to pay attention again. Kind of wakes you up a little bit. It does, and it's also a, at least for me personally, that's that's when the poles go away because to me, poles are so useless when you're boulder hopping that you almost rely on putting it on rock and those things slip off and. So going up on switchbacks, poles, absolutely. Coming down, yeah. But in bouldering, yeah, ditch the poles. So there's not much elevation gain on that amphitheater. You're kind of just hopping on big rocks below Pyramid's north face there. And then you get to that 12,000 feet, and that's time for, like, the bear crawling up the 1,000 feet of gain because you have to get to the northeast ridge that's at 13,000 feet. So here's, like, the third phase of the pyramid hike is, like, loose, dirty scrambling. Yeah, it's kind of it's nasty, but compared to other sections of the Elk Range, it's it's you know it's smaller scree. There is definitely the possibility of occasionally kicking down a larger rock, but I thought that the the risk from rockfall is much less than a lot of the other sections of the Elk. So I don't I never I never felt on that section really intimidated. Um, it was just kind of like a pain to be yeah you are kind of crawling up on all fours for you know 75% of that time. I agree. I think it's just the dirt. I think it's, uh, you know, you get you get the right shoes on. It's it's just uh, steep dirt climbing, really, with a little bit of scree in there. And the one thing that helps, um, at least on the way up, as I recall, is on the way up, there it's usually a little moister, so that sand and scree is a little bit consolidated. Uh, on the way down, it's usually drier, but at least on the way up in the morning, it seems to be have a little bit more consolidation. But it's really rejuvenating <laughs> about halfway up because your back is to capital and snow mass and you ha- can't see those peaks until about maybe 12, 5. So about halfway up that steep, shitty scree, you take a break and turn around and you can see like the cat ears of gray rock from snow mass peeking, peeking out over uh, the ridge. And you go a little further and you start to see the gray rock capital. And so as, as, as you go up that shitty scree, 
you get rewarded by great views of the of the crazy change in the red rock from maroon in front of you to the gray rock of snowmass and, and capital behind uh, behind that ridge. And normally that's the time that the sun is starting to like sh- really shine on capital and snowmass too. So you're like like amazingly energized. You know, you're kind of going up. You've had a rough morning already. You've gone up the switchbacks. Dark. You might have got woken up a little bit when you hopped through the boulder sections. And then you're going up this kind of nasty screen, and then all of a sudden it's like you look, and then like this brilliant sun is shining on Capitol and Snowmass that you can just barely see the top of. And it just like, oh, for me it was like you're, a fire is like awoken in your heart, and you're like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm on a 14er now. I'm in the Elk Range. And that drives you up the you know last, what, about last quarter or maybe the last half of that section. Yeah, probably 400 feet probably. Into this. So you basically top, top out right there at 13,000 feet at the saddle. Great views over the saddle, and then you turn right, and there's this imposing, crumbling, red, loose pyramid in front of you. And that's when the Class 3 and Class 4 route route finding begins. Now, there are goats. We have to mention the goats. Plenty of goats. For some reason, mountain goats seem to be waiting right at that saddle. You know, both times I've been up there, they've been kind of right there. And that's kind of cool, too. I mean, I love mountain goats. So that's kind of a neat, again, kind of re-energizes you. And with those views and the fact that, you know, once you've made it to the saddle, that's a great place, I think, to stop and rest. Maybe have some breakfast snack or, you know, some water at least. And take in the views and watch the goats. And that recharges you for the next section. The next section is not that bad. The first 300, 400 feet, is, you can pretty follow the trail kind of skirts around the one side and then there's the ledges you can follow but you can tell the cairns and you can follow the path what did you make of that leap of faith they call it on that ledge section i didn't find it to be much more much of a leap but you know anytime that you have to leave the ground and cover some distance where there's nothing underneath you to find ground again it's it's always going to be a little bit of apprehension right so i think it you psych yourself out a little bit but when you go to do it you realize it's it's not that big of a of a jump it's really no it's not it's not like very exposed really <laughs> no i mean if you fell you're you're gonna come away with some injuries but cliff traverse right i don't feel like you're gonna 14ers.com calls it the narrow ledge or the cliff cliff traverse yeah it's a nice flat section though i yeah i remember you know when i did pyramid solo and uh, and I would advise us for anyone, you know, really make sure you've studied the route and that you know where you're going. And so I'd studied it beforehand. And I was really intimidated because this narrow ledge, um, you know, tr- cliff traverse, that made it sound like it was going to be this real scary thing. It's it's kind of like the catwalk if you do Halo Ridge or Kit Carson Avenue. It's really nothing to be even slightly frightened of. Like, it's pretty wide. It's not even like that exposed no, in my not. opinion it creates like, great photos that make it looks exposed yeah, you can get a good totally. computer uh camera angle um but it yeah it's you know, when you're on it it's like oh this is this is what they're calling the narrow ledge this isn't really bad there is a yeah the jump is kind of weird you know it'll give you a little bit of a you know you make your heart flutter a little bit i guess and then there's a weird section about halfway across where you have to like kind of bear hug into the the cliff a little bit, as I recall. There's like a, a weird, just kind of feels a little bit yeah, off. It pushes you off a little bit. Because yeah. you kind of, it's like kind of circle around like a horseshoe mm-hmm. a little bit, right? I would, yeah. You know, I would agree too. I think that 
a lot of times you you get in your head before something like this and you and and you read a route description or or people give you beta you see pictures and pictures never do it justice but you know when you get up there you realize that you have confidence in your ability because you've prepared right and you've you've studied your route and you're ready to do it and we have the route description too we always print out a colored copy exactly some people have a map rely on a 14 years app but if they don't download the pictures they don't have service up on pyramid and they won't have the pictures on their phone right and and that's and to, to me when i when i get ready to climb and i know this is kind of backtracking quite a bit and i won't spend all the time on it but it's i i always just say you know never never overestimate your ability and never underestimate the route and so i don't ever rely on just one source like i would look at 14ers.com you know he's got some good beta on there uh, Jerry Roach is the standard in it, so you always read his. But I always pull out – I'm old-fashioned. I pull out the map, the topo map. Mm-hmm. I like to look and, and just know what I'm getting into, and I like to plan my escape routes. It's sort of like paranoid mountain climbing, but things happen in the mountains that you're not always in control of, so you try to control what you can. And uh, that's it. I just don't don't underestimate what you're up against. But So when you get up there and you're pleasantly surprised, oh, okay, that wasn't bad, that's – that doesn't mean that the, the route wasn't tough. It just means that you were prepared and you knew how to do it and you took care of business. And that's uh, part of the beauty of mountain climbing is, is overcoming those challenges. And, you know, the world we live in has really opened up, I think, access to other people's experiences for better or for worse. You know, there's, there's cons to that. But the one positive is you can go on 14ers.com. Whatever month you're planning on doing pyramid, let's say it's August. Um, now again, there's going to be variations from year to year, but, um, you know, let's say you, you want to look at August trip reports from pyramid. You can pull up trip reports for, you know, I don't know, maybe 10 each year for the past decade in August and read, see what the conditions were like, see what other people thought. You know, some, some people might think that the, you know, cliff traverse is, is a little more exposed than we think it is, but it's great to get other people's perspectives. Um, I think that's one of the cool things about the internet um, gives you that little bit of peace of mind because you can be a little bit more prepared for things. Yes, yeah, so look at the picture on 14ers.com. A 13-2. <laughs> that little leap of faith. I mean, you could even down climb that into yeah. that loose little gully and up climb it if you really didn't yeah. want to jump. But I mean, right. you can straddle the, that leap. The photo looks you, impressive though. You could if you if you were really if if you were really. I'm tall enough. I you were doing your yoga mm-hmm. and you yeah. could. <laughs> Now, if you stopped for a picture, I'd like to see you come out of that pose. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. You better be really, you have a grip you on do. That, there is something to be said, though, for the places where you can take really photos that really make it look steeper than it is or more yeah. exposed than it is. It's kind of cool to send those phone back to the family. Or Especially your parents, because, you know, like always, you always have to send a picture like the most exposed route. I mean, it could be anything. To your mom. Like, yeah. Even if you're laying down on a flat rock and you turn your camera sideways so it looks like you're going something straight vertical, you send it to your mom because it's <laughs> it's great to get the right. Of course, you follow up with, no, you know, I'm fine. But Now, the cliff traverse, you know, as I said, I was I felt very anxious about that cliff traverse. And so I, was, I had kind of focused on that. The thing that I should have focused on more that I didn't, uh, is the is the green wall because I think while, while I had overestimated the exposure and the technical difficulty of the cliff traverse which is not exposed and not technically difficult 
I kind of underplayed the green wall. I kind of thought, oh, yeah, I get to this kind of gully, and it's green rock, and it's a little steep, and it's a little loose, but it's going to be fine. And that was, I think, um, when I did it solo, and then again when the three of us did it, I would say that's the crux of the route. That starts the crux. So mm-hmm. that section sat out 13,000 13, feet where you can see Capitol and Snowmass, and then to about 13,300, 13, 13,400 has this nice, easy climbing ledges. Um, but then the Green Gully, it, the game changes. The next 500 feet is the crux of the route. And it's kind of open and exposed, and it's not... It's different than climbing like the gully on Crestone, where you feel like you're protected by the sides of the gully. You're just like way opened. And the route finding is a lot more difficult than most other class four routes I've done. Here's a photo of Richard. Uncle Cuckle. Uncle Cuckle. That looks pretty nice. That looks like a six foot jump in that angle. Mm-hmm. Especially with those shorts. Those <laughs> <laughs> like six inch shorts, too. <laughs> yeah, the, uh, I was telling Colorado Trail. Patrick here that uh, CTP CTP <laughs> before the cast started that that whenever I see green rock because the green gully is very you know it's it's a weird it's the only part on that mountain that the rock is that color it is a greenish greenish grayish rock and you can see it from that saddle so you look at the saddle and look yeah. at the crumbling red rock you can see that spot in the route where it just turns grayish green and every once in a while when I'm hiking someplace else I'll see rock that looks nothing's ever quite the same it's not precisely the same as that route but i'll see a rock that type of rock that's similar to that and it always gives me a little bit of panic in my heart to see because i'm reminded of that i don't want to say i don't want to overplay it It, you know i don't want to go as far as to say it's a thing that you know nightmares are made of or something like that but it's um yeah it's 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 very exposed it's not the loosest rock in the Elks. I think there are looser places, but it's still pretty loose. And if you tumble there, you are going to tumble probably what five hundred to a thousand. Oh, at least feet. that's what freaked me out because it's not, enough. Yeah. To... I thought exposure was like when we heard started climbing and I was reading halfway to heaven and I've done like four fourteeners and I was reading about pyramid. I thought exposure was like I fall off here, I fall two hundred feet to my death in vertical air. Where it's not like that at all. It's you slip and you'll just roll, tumble, mm-hmm. smack jagged rock for 500 feet. Yeah, yeah it's it, you know, that's the only place in the Elks that, that I've climbed and I've seen rock like that. But yeah, when you get to that green goal, you really realize, you know, especially if that's kind of your first foray into like class four-ish type terrain. You know, and I guess in my mind, I thought like, okay, like the, the, the Crestones, like you thought, okay, you're, you're climbing... It's that conglomerate. It's beautiful rock. It's easy. You, you still check your handholds, of course, but you, you're you not really worried about loose rock. And this one, you, you realize, like, even though the rock seems really solid, they're still really easy to dislodge, which, you know, when the three of us were heading up is kind of that moment, you know, as we were going up to that, the rocks got kicked loose and uh, that I, I think Steffler was, and all of us were like, wow, okay. So I was, is, but I was spooked. Still, we got, got a little spooked, um, you know. And Sean had been up it before, so he's like, uh, "Yeah, this is sort of how it goes." Well, we had, Stifler got was spooked the preceding night. Right? We did. Let's talk. We, we hiked in the <clears> night, <throat> night before, two yeah, nights before. We hiked in past Crater Lake and camped right by the turnoff to the twenty eight hundred of Suck up South Maroon. We had an awesome day on South Maroon, and on the way down the twenty eight hundred of Suck, the Black Hawk helicopter was out circling circling pyramid 
So it turns out someone fell and broke their leg, and they had to get air airlifted off pyramid that day. So I was spooked all night. So yeah, well, I mean, it was <laughs> interesting hiking with you, you know, back down Maroon because you you just were like, as soon as you saw that pyramid, you, that helicopter rather, you were like just. You kept talking about it. It was so weird. Yeah. You're like, oh, I wonder what's going on. What's going on with it? Man, I don't. And then you were like, I don't have a good feeling about that. Man, that's really like bad. Yeah. This is a bad omen. And then I don't think you slept at all that yeah, lot didn't tonight. Sleep. Well, it was like a badger or something, a porcupine <laughs> scratch in our tent or something. Right? Yeah, there was. I, I mean, I showed up late, but. <laughs> so I want to come back to that campsite, but I want to finish our route up pyramid. So I turned around halfway up the Green Gully and I uh, descended. You kind of watched me descend past the Green Gully so you knew where I was safe. Mm-hmm. And so I was on that section where I knew I was safe. Uh, I dropped down and I left you a couple notes. I put some, uh, I had a, a trip report with me. So I wrote some notes. Hey, Stifler, what time I was here. Yeah, I'm going to keep, I'm going to continue going down mm-hmm. to the campsite. <clears throat> if you don't see me and I left a note there on the saddle for you. And then I descended back down to the, to camp. Um, and you guys kept on going. Well, you're not going to get out of this so easily because I want to ask you a question about your psychology in the moment <laughs> because we have a, a video and I, you know, I, I can remember it pretty clearly. As I recall, I had climbed, I was above the two of you and I got my camera out and Pat was in the middle and you were below him. And I don't know if, I can't remember if it was me standing there that ac- accidentally dislodged something or Pat as he was climbing. But oh, I think it was a ground goat. I can't dislodge some rocks down the but gully. There was, there was rocks that came down that gully. And, you know, we kind of have it on video. You see these rocks rolling past um, Pat and Stifler. Um, and I think I made some, like, because as soon as the rock got past you, I think I made some joke on camera. I'd have to watch that vid- video, the footage again. But like, oh, yeah, here, this is the green wall. This is, like, the loose stuff. I'd like to see that one, too. And it was, you know, I shut my camera. I put it in my case. Pat got up to where I was at. And I think you were just maybe four or five feet below us. And you said... Uh, I think I'm going to turn around. I think I'm good. Just so to, I want to know what, like, this. What was your psychology? What were you thinking in that moment? Because I think it's good. It's really it, when you, when you're not feeling it, turning around is often the best thing you can do. Isn't that a neat and, gut feeling? What's the, the famous story you talk about? <clears throat> Edmund Hillary's like son or grandson? Yeah. Yeah. So it was. Um, I think his name's Peter Hillary. When he would he was on a team on K2. I think there were there were six or eight of them trying to summit K2. They had beautiful weather, best conditions, everything looked good. It was a go. You know, they looked at the weather pattern, everything looked great, and so they were getting their gear on. And Pete Hillary says, uh, "Yeah, I'm not feeling this. I just I don't feel good about this." And all of the his companions were saying, "What are you talking about? The weather's perfect. Conditions, are, you know, snow conditions are perfect. This is the best chance we're ever, ever going to have of doing K2." And he said, I don't know, I just, like, I, there's something that tells me, like, I just don't feel right about this. You know, he, he was healthy, he was in good shape, he was ready for the climb, he was prepared. He just had this instinctive feeling that something wasn't right. And as it turns out, he stayed in camp, and I, you have to fact check me, but I think every other member who went up died in the avalanche on K2 that day. Freak avalanche. You know, it shouldn't have been a slope or the conditions where there was an avalanche, but there was, and everyone died. This is the moral story is the rocks are always there, and if you're not trusting your gut, then I trust my gut to go back I mean, down. Mountain's not going anywhere, <clears throat> but you can. So if, if it's, it's, yeah, the gut feeling that story tells it all. You just, you, you do it when it feels right, and that's why it's, there's, there's never a rush. You know, don't rush yourself to, to 
feel like you got to finish or you got to hit the summit. I know we all get a little case of the summit fever now and again because it's that's the goal, right, is to get to the top. But, you know, it's, especially when you're with a group of people, like normally, you know, I was raised with, you know, you, you go, you never go alone, which I know I climbed a lot of these myself. So did Sean. And you're always supposed to be the buddy because if something does happen, if nobody's there to get you, then you're, you know, you're kind of left to the devices of, of Mother Nature and she's she can be pretty cruel. But, uh, you know, you so when I see someone turn around, I always feel, you know, this urge of like, OK, you know, I, I want to talk you into finishing because I know you should finish. But I also want to, you know, say, hey, don't don't go back by yourself because down climbing is where the majority of accidents and mountain climbing happen. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but, you know, I mean, at, at that point, you know, you, you just have to assess each situation individually and you just, you look at it and say, hey, you know, personally, if, if I don't feel it, you do what you need to do for yourself because you can always come back, you know, and if, and if you got summit fever and, and you're trying to make a run for the top and you shouldn't, then, you know, then maybe that's a different story. But, you know, that was, that was one of those moments where the biggest gut in my stomach was, was Stifler turning around and going back by himself. He could have gone up that day. He could have gone back. It was nice you down. could see me there the whole time. You could see me down climb to the safer spot, uh, closer to thirteen three, thirteen two. Which we did. We 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 you know we. What did you sense other than this? Like, did you just have this? This kind of completely feeling? talked myself out of it last the night before. Okay. I was not feeling good the whole uh, hiking in the dark. Was nervous, kind of mentally psyched myself out even before I got on that green gully. So you think it was. The, the, by the the night before you had psyched yourself yeah yeah so so Stifler, that's a good question then so what what would you what would you recommend to somebody who's in that situation like yourself who you know maybe is up there doing multiple 14ers or is the night before and has had a, a bad day it could be anything it could be personal life issues anything but they're not feeling in it and then they go and they start a climb like what's your advice like how do you how did you think your way through that I stopped, drank some water, ate some food, and took some caffeine jelly beans to make sure it wasn't just like low blood sh- sugar. See if I could shake that negative feeling out of my body with food. But I just was not, I don't know. I was i was really pleased to have done North Maroon safely uh, the night day before. And so uh, with this trip, I was like, well, I got one elk range, rotten elk range, 14 are done. I'm pretty happy with myself. Had we not summited Fort Maroon before, probably would have pushed myself, but probably could have been turned out bad yeah now the second time you went up what it what did what had changed and how did you feel in that green gully let's see so we've done snow we had done snow mass between our first my first attempt on pyramid we did capital no we didn't do capital we capital i think we did capital we did yeah yeah because patrick had yeah we did capital we'd done snow mass we had done north maroon got a lot more class four climbing and root finding skills and so I was leading someone else up, so I had to kind of be kind of my own route finder myself and kind of be strong for the person that was hiking up with me. Um, the person I was hiking with, Uncle Kunkel, he got to the Green Gully and did the same thing. His blood sugar got low, he's diabetic, and he started to panic on the Green Gully. And so we sat there on the Green Gully for at least a half an hour while he had to recharge, refuel his blood sugar, and then we had to control him to keep moving. Because the route finding was challenging and you're really open there and so what we did is we knew the down climb would be look different than the up climb so we had orange paracord that we'd cut about a foot of the paracord and we stuck it on the cairns where we knew we would come down we knew how many uh, paracord pieces we left 
So it really made our descent a lot more comfortable. Uh, and then we picked our, our paracord on the way out so we didn't leave it there. Um, but I know the route finding on that route, there's a lot of different Karens up there. So I wanted to get your opinion on leaving rope or leaving something for you to then guide yourself back down. Because there's a discussion on this on whether that is right or not. A lot of the discussion comes on the Cresto Needle when you're trying to get out of that second gully, that turnover, crossover, where you can't descend too far, you get in trouble. What do you think about leaving ribbon, rope? You know, and, and real quickly, and I'll let Sean go with this one, but I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a really, really big leave no trace guy. So <clears throat> I'm all for using whatever you need to to get up and down the mountain safely to get back home to your, you know, safely to your family. But whatever you put there, please, please, please take it back. Because I know that somebody did leave this reflective tape. And, of course, we didn't notice it until later because it's really hard. You know, but those are the things that – and even painting, like, on Long's Peak can, yeah, you know, for another day. But those are the things that, that – that's graffiti on on nature. And and whatever you have to do, make it a temporary and then make sure you take it back. So, so that's what that's I was thinking. If I did it again, I would take ribbon and I'd date my ribbon. So if I missed one and then someone was on that route the next day and they saw it was yesterday's date – They'd take it. I like that. See, but if that's, you didn't know that's, that's, if it was yesterday's date, you could have taken someone's rope they were counting on for their descent. Yeah. You know, I just uh, mountain climbing talk? to me is is you know I'm a I'm a real I'm a team oriented guy, and when you're climbing, you're definitely a team. But there is there's an individual aspect to this also that um, you should not ever rely on something else that somebody else has done prior. Just like the ropes on Little Bear, like I mean, it's you you climb at your own risk, and and you should have the ability, the know-how, the preparation to do it. I just I don't feel my personal opinion is that you you leave it better than you found it, and that's not leaving ribbon, that's not painting rocks, but if you need to do that on the way up, or you or you choose that's that's your your safety on the way down, then I'm 100% okay with that. If you miss one, things happen. You know, hopefully the next person up grabs it. But we used, let's talk about when we were descending North Maroon. You took your bright yellow puffy jacket and put it on the turnoff of that gully because we knew that that's where you got in trouble on the first time doing North Maroon. You descended too far because the descent looked a lot different than the ascent. And so we got to start arguing about the Steelers and the Broncos on the way down that first gully on North Maroon. And we actually dropped below that bright yellow puffy. And then we realized we were below our route. I don't know. Crossover. Yeah. Don't, I don't know why you guys follow me and listen to me. I always get <laughs> off route. <laughs> then what's your feeling on leaving uh, yeah, ribbon for your well, personal ribbon? I, I'm, I'm, I'm just of such a mixed opinion because the first time I did Pyramid, someone had taken some uh, Hunter's Orange ribbon and marked the whole way up through the Green Gully and, and like part of the way past that. So it was like you couldn't miss this really very stable route. I mean, I never... The, when following that the first time, I never had any problem with loose rock or anything. It felt pretty or root stable finding, the right? way. Or root finding, But you said you had a tough time root finding the second time. Yeah. And so the second time, there was uh, some some tape at towards the bottom, as I recall, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But then about, what, halfway up the gully, it kind of stopped? I mean, we lost it. I don't know if it's if it's gone or... Uh, it's To me, on Pyramid on that green gully, it was really easy to lose the route. Yeah. Up and down. 
So, yeah, so the first time I did it, it was like you follow the tape up, you follow the tape down, and it felt totally stable the whole time. And the second time, when we were, you know, either lost the, tr the trail that had been marked or whatever, definitely got into some looser stuff. And on our way down, we, which we'll get to, um, got into some kind of more technical stuff too. So it's really, you know, it, it helped me so much and kept me on a better route. But I think I'm kind of with Pat. I, looking back, I think my ethic now is like, if you want to, I would probably have take, taken some ribbon up myself to climb it and marked at where I got, thought was a good route out up so I could take it down. But I would pick it all up when I left. I wouldn't leave it for the next person. And that means that maybe the next person has a harder time. Um, but you know, then it's, then you're giving them a clean mountain that doesn't have any adulteration on it. And you know, the other thing is too, that, and you can, this can be said of cairns. I mean, we've all been on 14ers that have 8 million cairns, all of which aren't leading to maybe the most efficient route. And so sometimes those cairns or a piece of ribbon or a rope that's on Little Bear gives you a false sense of security, like, oh, this is the right way, or, oh, this is a safe, you know, someone anchored this route correctly, this rope correctly, um, and it, it makes you rely on someone else's judgment, not your own, which is never a good thing when you're in the mountains. Yeah, some of those mountains, I mean, how many, how many of those mountains you've been on where there's just a thousand cairns going a thousand directions, and and it becomes, at some point, you just look at it and say, okay, I just have to figure my own route out, which is which is great, but... It's quit putting Karens up when, <laughs> That's when a, there's already Karens there. Like it just, it's. I can honestly say I don't think I've, I've ever created a Karen. I've added to a Karen, an existing Karen, but yes. I've never created. Oh, one. I love adding to Karens. Um, I will admit that I have destroyed a few Karens in my day when I felt they were off route, or <laughs> they were. They were extra, so to speak. I I never destroy a Karen if I knew it was it was where it was, should be, but there's been times when I've seen multiple Karens in a place and I thought, okay, this is clearly somebody else's personal route and not the route that's kind of been deemed the standard by the, you know, the experts. And so I've, yeah, I've, I've destroyed a few Karens. Spoke Karen. C-A-I-R-N. How many, correct. how many syllables is Karen? One. Yeah, one. Why is it? It's, uh, when you say it, it almost sounds like saying Karen. 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 Yeah. Yeah, it's that uh, Karen. <laughs> it's it's got to be Scottish, right? I mean, that sounds like a Scot. A, a Scottish Scotland. or Gaelic origin. Yeah, it's got to be because I got Scottish blood, so I know Karen. That's pretty good. We got a, like a country of our own. <laughs> so yeah, the Green Gully, Green Wall. Um, I think that is the crux. And yeah, don't, and I don't, it, maybe my memory's faulty, but I don't think, the first time I did it, you know, I'd read, I'd researched a lot, and I'd read a lot of trip reports, and I don't think any trip report that I read gave me the sense that it was as, you know, intimidating as what it was. Like people, you know, there's all this talk about this stupid cliff traverse, Yeah, right. you know? And it's like, oh, the climb, I should be prepared for that. And then it was like, oh, and then you go up this you know, green wall, and it's you can tell, look, it's really green. You can tell where it is. And that's all they said about it. So I, I hope that maybe that's changed. But at least I wonder, when I did it, I really was kind of thrown off. I wasn't prepared for it. I wonder how, how much of that do you think you attribute to the fact that Pyramid, even though 
most consider it, you know, a bigger task than the Maroon Bells. How much do you think of that is is because of the Maroon Bells just being as iconic as they are and how the the deadly bell stands out in your mind and then there's pyramid. I mean, and, and then, so I wonder if... Underestimated because it's by the deadly yeah, one. Yeah, I, I wonder if it gets underestimated more or the trip reports, because I, I feel the same way, like, as I was reading through it, it was like, or if it, because, because I, I honestly, I felt Pyramid was tougher than the Maroon Bells to me, personally. I, I, I'm in that route, too. I, I personally thought, like, it was, and, I, and but, a lot of that could be because we got off route, and, and it's just, but that's part of it. It's easier to get off route. But round trip is only, it's just over eight miles round trip, so it's... And that took us almost 12 hours. Distance-wise, not mm-hmm. long, but 4,500 feet of elevation gain and with a lot of slow route finding. Subjectivity, you know, exposure, route finding. I, I put Pyramid as one of the most highest achievements I've done. One, because I failed the first time. Two, because I led someone else, someone kind of a newer to the 14ers, up Pyramid safely. Well, someone, it wasn't just that he was newer to the 14ers. I think, you know, he'd done some class three and I think, had he done any class Wetterhorn, four? Wetterhorn, but. Okay. Wetterhorn and Kit Carson. Kit Carson. Um, he done Chicago Basin? At that no. Point? No? That was, that was prior, right? Oh, yeah. No, that no, wasn't. Oh, wait. That was, that was, yeah, he'd done. It's, same, it's probably the same year, wasn't it? Because we did yeah. Pyramid that yeah. Labor Day. But that was Labor Day. Because yeah. yeah. the 4th of July was so when he had we done, Yeah, he had done the Chicago Basin. So, so he, but uh, I think. And he comes with a whole other set of challenges because he's diabetic. him. Yeah. <laughs> hey hey now <laughs> i had some i had some fever that day <laughs> you know that's shot i you know on your finisher you're allowed to have some fever well yeah i was gonna say it was it's not just that you know i don't think he was that underprepared for it but the you know the type one diabetes that adds a whole other dynamic to it you know when you have when you're going up pyramid you're on the green wall and your blood sugar's crashing and that's not a place you want to pass out and start tumbling backwards. So, so that's a. I mean, yeah. I think that that is definitely a huge achievement of years that you successfully got uh, someone who had never climbed in the elk range before and had, was having some blood sugar issues to the top a, of pyramid and back down safely. And that's a long day. Step. That's a long day. It took us six hours to descend. That's a long. We, we ran out of water. It took me about six minutes, but. No, <laughs> that was once we got to the switch. When diabetic runs. Story about that. You, that you got another later. story about that. But. So I want to go back to. So we brute finding's tough above the green gully as well. Last hundred feet is not bad at all. But so look for Karens. I'm gonna say that that summit view oh. and some of the summit pictures are the best on any 14er summit. I would totally agree with. <laughs> top 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 three. Because being able to look at the maroon bells from that maroon, maroon bells snow mass and there's that snow ledge, mass, that ledge you, you can stand on yeah. and oh, looks like you're over capital, three thousand feet and capital yeah. too like I mean any any view from every you know, any 14er is uh, you know it's just a beauty and and it's something that you've you've struggled to to see that not everybody gets to see outside of a picture but something about the Elks and especially pyramid is that you get to see especially if you hadn't done them yet that's where all that mystique sits too because if you do pyramid which i totally recommend before you do the bells only for the fact that you get to stare straight at your next adventure and that's so what's the best view from best best 14er view from a summit oh man 
I agreed with you. Pyramid, I think, I think it's pyramid number one, because you can see the bells, you can see Capitol, you can see Snowmass, the, the the rugged rock up there, and the jaggedness. It's amazing. I mean, it, uh, and the you know all those basins that go that are in between the four pass loops and the red rock of maroon compared to the yeah, gray rock just, of uh, Snowmass. I think it's breathtaking. I mean, it, I go back to those pictures frequently. You know, when I need some inspiration, hard day at work, or whatever, and I just go back to those pictures, and it's like that is. Those photos I took from Pyramid, dude, that just captures so the, the whole that, essence of yeah. the 14er experience for me. What's yours, Pat? Best summit view. I never like saying greatest ever or this and that. Like I hate like sports conversations. Of who is the best at this? Because I feel it's so hard to compare, at least for me personally. So I mean, Pyramid, I put top three, and right up there, I say Handies and uh, yeah, Snowmass. Again, it's the Elks because from Snowmass you get such a close-up view of Capitol. Nah, dude. I mean, the exposure on Pyramid, <laughs> the steep but, drop on that ledge where you can really get an amazing photo. But there's something. I got a nod. I got a nod, dude. You got a nod, dude. I'll second your nod, dude. Yeah. Let's let's play the jingle. But yeah, play the nod, dude. Jingle. Nod, dude. Nod, dude. Nod, dude. What you say, I cannot do it. You said it was tough. I say nothing to it. What you did was cool. I, I don't know. Handies is one of the easiest 14ers you could ever climb if you want to classify as easy. But the San Juans, to me, are like, that. that's my Valhalla. So I, the Elks are magical, but the San Juans are, are where the heavens were created. So okay, that's, okay. that's to me. Nah, dude. Not um, because <laughs> the, the hike of Handies is amazing. The view yeah. from the view, right top there. of Handies. Look at those wildflowers. Be, that canvas I have framed above the wall. Uh, there. Yeah. yeah. But the view, you know, if we're talking about the summit view. And I think the summit view from Handy's is is well below the summit view from Pyramid. I still like it, but I think it's below Pyramid. I agree. If you if take take a view of any 14er from Treeline, and then I'd say treeline. Handy's yeah. ranks oh, up yeah. there. Yeah. Holy crass, Holy oh, Cross. The majority ranks of up Handy's yeah, Handy's all above Treeline. Yeah. I mean, you're not climbing I mean, anything not, in Treeline. The, the, yeah, the view. view. If you from, take a photo yeah, of the mountain, that's a different. From, that's a totally different question than the view from great. the summit. Totally. Yeah. It, Holy Cross and Handy's might be the, the most beautiful, like straight up, like basins below yeah. the 14 or like Treeline. Okay, I'll five. give you that. I'll give you basin below. Yeah. So basin below. But uh, to me, to me, when you're when you're on the top of Handy's, I mean, not only do you see Uncompahgre, and the thing is, is Here's the difference to me is pyramid. Yeah, when you get up there, it's it's like I imagine it's kind of like the Himalayas where you look around. There's all these giant just peaks and they're so close and you can you can almost visualize they're rugged and sharp too. The rugged and the, the diversity, like the snow, you know, snow mass is different. The gray of snow mass or white right. and gray of snow mass is different from the gray of capital is different from definitely the, the red of the bells. I and I definitely agree. That's why I agree top three. But it's to me, it's like I like a little more space. So when I get at the top uh, of Handy's, I look around and I'm like, okay, there's there's nothing big right in front of me, so I can see even further. Topagre, I can see all of them. I can see, I can yeah. even see you can even see the group, the Wilson grouping, and it looks like this giant bowl of just there's peak, 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 and that's and, and and even from the top of of Wilson, you know, Mount Wilson, where you can see, I just I feel like Handy's is almost feels like it's just you're in the middle of all those great San Juan peaks. And there's not just 14ers, but all the 13ers, which are some of the most 
technical, difficult climbs in the entire state. Tougher than any 14er by, you know, by a stretch. Mm. So I just, yeah, I don't know. I think maybe it's just my my preference of the San Juans and, and the feeling I get when I'm there, but. I like Pyramid's it. Pyramid's top three. I'll give it. I'm still happy with my nod, dude. Of your, yeah, of you. no, I, I, I <laughs> like that I got nod, dude. I think that's great. Um, I will give you a runner-up, though. I think the Summit View from Humboldt is a oh, runner-up. Because you have the see, Crest Dens. Crest Carson Challenger. Yeah. And you're, you're deep in the song graze there, so you can probably you can look toward the sand dunes. Can you see the sand dunes? But see, that's I know uh, where you're going Humboldt, now. Humboldt, no, because the, the Crest Dens cover the up the sand dunes. But you... But you, you, can Carson, you can, you can see, see the, the San Juans, though. You get the same view from Humboldt of the Crestones as you do from Pyramid of the Moon right. Bells. So that's, yeah. That's why I'm, uh, and it's jagged or rock and more exposed, and you can get on that ledge on there. Nah, dudes. <laughs> and I'll give, you a third, I'll give you a third choice. Okay, go ahead. For the Sawatch. And this, you guys, you guys will probably disagree with me. No. I think from Columbia, I think that it, I love that view of Yale from Columbia. Yeah, okay. And there's mm-hmm. and the view Pyramid. from Harvard is pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, like we said, it's, that's good. This and this is why you climb them because every single every single mountain range has its own personality. Every mountain has a different personality and a different view, and you don't know it until you get there. And you can look through a picture all day long, but pictures don't do justice. So, but we do have to ask a follow up. Not this episode, but some episode we have to do. The question of what, not from the summit, the view from the summit, but the view of the mountain itself. Okay. From the base? Let's say yes. that one. Because, you know, whether you, you know, from tree line looking at it or up a base and looking at it, because that's a great one, too. And I have some very strong opinions. Uh, surprise, Pikes, surprise. Pikes about Peak. That. Great from the bottom because you got 7,000 feet. But when you get the top, all there is is just a fat boy scout with a oh, that's fat interesting. donut. <laughs> that's a different question. Yeah. <laughs> Best photo from the ground, worst photo from the – what's the biggest – The biggest oh, disappointment. Yeah. So yeah. That mountain uh, was ruined. I don't know. I was – when tourists were taking oh, pictures of me, God. I yeah, sold I mean, that one with an ice axe with face, oh. face paint. Look at that photo. You had Wait, an ice axe on pipes? You had an ice axe? What were you, <laughs> yeah. what were you doing? An ice sculpture? Were you making photo. slushies? Look at that right? photo on the, gold, on the oh, 20 golden oh stairs. Oh, my God. Um, Face paint. Honestly, so did what, you ever? What was your least did you favorite? have any use of the ice axe? <laughs> no, but I. Had, what was I, your least favorite? I passed it to other people for photos too. <laughs> so, and I know this this covers a lot of different areas, but I know, and we shouldn't keep going in different. But these are kind of fun. So, but what was your least favorite fourteener summit? It can be for any reason, but don't sit like not, not as a not whole, the, but not just, the climb. just the summit, not the climb, because Close. I know the climb is is very very subjective, just like all it is, but. Even more so because some things are tougher, exposure boring, different. Just not good, good summit. Uh, beer stud. So, be, yeah, and why? Kind of rocky place. You couldn't really sit, and there's too crowded. I think crowds for me is ruins it. Yeah, yeah but you can see the the sawtooth ridge. Uh, sawtooth beer stud. That's kind of cool. Yeah. But um, mine would you know, and I love this mountain, but I this the view from Holy the view of Holy Cross is amazing. The view from Holy Cross. Is really not all that interesting. That's if you peer down the the couloir, the cross couloir, it's interesting. <laughs> but the view from yeah. Holy Cross itself is not all that interesting. Yeah, I mean, you guys, you guys okay. already know mine. Pikes Peak, yeah, it's such a oh, come on, man, you get travesty. What although, other peak do you get a donut? I had, I had two chocolate. Although I did, I did fantastic. hear that they are actually pushing for a Pike National Trail that will actually create a national trail like the Continental Divide Trail and uh, Appalachian Trail that will follow Zebulon Pikes. Oh, right. that's um, which would be really cool. He never, never climbed. climbed it. He never climbed it. 
I know. Well, he doesn't have to. <laughs> he had his donuts. Maybe he had his donuts. He was smart. He was like, I need my donuts down here. They're going to put a train up to this thing one day. That's what you should name um, your kid if it's a boy. I would even say, Zebulon. you know. And, and, I would, I'm leaning towards Zebulon if I ever I would have said. Seven Costanza. <laughs> Karen is Scottish. First recorded uh-huh. use of Karen in the 1500s for a large conical heap of stone. So Robert the so Bruce? Is that, is that Robert the Bruce? Gaelic. Oh, is that, oh, is after Robert the Bruce, huh? <laughs> Here's the real question that I, that I built for this podcast, and that is, have you ever seen Moneyball? The story of the, the Oakland A's. Oh, yeah. I've actually never seen it. Billy Bean. Billy and, Bean, uh, I know yeah. So, so Tom, uh, Brad Pitt plays Billy Bean, and he says they're trying to replace Jason Giambi. Mm-hmm. And he says there's no replacement for Jason Giambi, but maybe we can rebuild him in the aggregate. So let's find three players that maybe have the same RBI, uh, on-base percentage, um, whatever, baseball statistics. And then pin them together. And right. Yeah. This is mm-hmm. what I want you to do. I want you to recreate Pyramid, but with sections of other 14ers. So is that 1,000 feet of suck to 13,000-foot 13, 13, ridge? Oh, wow. Is it like the loose scree on <laughs> – Columbia plus the one section on the needle plus the one section on the North Maroon. Um, That's a really clever question. What is the steep switchbacks? Is the switchbacks on Missouri similar to the steep switchbacks from Crater Lake up to the amphitheater? I think we should disclaimer that the listeners here to Shortrope Stifler is an economist, so that's where this question's coming yeah. from. And so he, he probably should be running a baseball team somewhere, <laughs> honestly. Maybe I the Pirates. Think about rebuild. I want you to rebuild starting from the lake. Oh, you go first. Rebuild. Take, take your time here. We can rebuild three mountains. an aggregate. So if you could Pyramid Peak. Three mountains together to equal Pyramid Peak. So can I start from the top and go down? Okay. It's, it may be easier for me to do that. <laughs> <laughs> the last section that you climb to get to the top to me was reminiscent of the last section on Yolus. you know not well-defined route but pretty hard to get off route you like you know where you're going but it opened some scrambling Ah, um you know just so that feels similar to me the green gully is similar to the gully on Lindsay. what is it the northwest gully um yeah okay uh, because again, you know, loose, uh, ex- exposed. The the green, green section is definitely more exposed, and it's uh, more. Cons- you know, the rock is larger. It's not as much scree, but there's similarities in terms of steepness. The cliff traverse, to me, is a, very similar to Kit Carson Avenue, between Challenger and Kit Carson. Okay. Um, the weird. Scree section from the amphitheater up to the saddle. Um, kind of like, um, well, it's not as bad as that. I guess it's kind of like that going up that Scree of Columbia that we went up that one time. That's what I was thinking. It's not as bad as Bross. Bross is the worst Scree in the world, in my opinion. Yeah. It's not that bad. Yeah, Bross is pretty um, bad. Going through that boulder field in the amphitheater is not quite the same level as the boulder field on Longs, but has some similarities. Steep switchbacks is where I'm kind of stuck. So I, I can't think of... Can you think of any... Uh, I like the steep when I think of steep switchbacks, I think of like just... And it's not the same distance, but the very short section of like um, Kit Carson, 
Oh, at the very uh, beginning. Yeah, yes. Yeah, that's Lake. perfect. Yeah. That's the perfect. I was yeah. thinking that, or the steep switchbacks up Missouri, right in the very beginning of Missouri Gulch, is kind of. Mm, yeah, or yeah, from Cohesie Lake, those little switch. I mean, yeah. it's so short though. Like it's even shorter than, yeah. But uh, I think the 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 one you know going up Willow Lake, that's the best one because those before are before the headwall. Yeah, because those are yeah. long. Yeah, yeah. Long, similar, back and forth. Because the you know going up Missouri, they're sh- kind of short switchbacks, and these are kind of long. Which makes it, I think, always reminds a me a lot tedious. of yeah, and it's higher elevation. It's kind of like uh, you know when you look at a lot of uh, lower elevation peaks, like in Evergreen, like Bergen Peak, you see these like long, drawn out switchbacks. But it's a little more extreme than that for sure on uh, Pyramid, steeper, higher elevation. But um, Carl River yeah. Trail, Patrick, what do you think? <laughs> Build, I think that Build was actually Pyramid a really peak in the aggregate. That was a really good uh, description he gave because I was thinking Columbia too on. Uh, um, the only other one I would probably put up there too would be Jennings Creek, like Tabalatch, because I I know how. I haven't done that route. And, and it's well, it's because it's closed and um, people shouldn't be climbing it because it's uh, the erosion is pretty crazy. But I did it a lot, a lot, a lot of years ago. But it's it's a very, very it's exactly kind of like that Columbia. The standard on Columbia too is just very just a loose dirt. Dirt. It's not rock. It's dirt. And even I guess you could even draw comparisons on Challenger too. You know, That's what I was thinking. From the Willow Lake yeah. up to Challenger, it's just very steep dirt, and it's just it's just it's hard dirt, but it's just it's just a little bit of loose on yeah. top. So every time you get that propensity to kind of slip a little bit. Um, yeah, actually, that's better. That's better than what I think um, than Columbia. So yeah, I would I would I would say that you have um, I would and I can even start at the bottom from like the lake up the main trail. That's like I seventy during rush hour. <laughs> and then you, <laughs> and then you have uh the switchbacks which i would say was like a willow up to willow lake uh that last portion of kit carson challenger uh, kit carson challenger yeah no, well, that, say, the cairn so I'm, I'm just thinking right now that cairn is very similar when you're going down holy cross there's that big cairn that yeah, sometimes oh, yeah. people miss for yeah. some reason but yeah mm-hmm. giant cairns yeah you keep going no i agree i think that's a, that's a good observation um I never thought about Eolus. That's a great compare. That that top part of Eolus. Yeah. The root finding. That very top. The only other part that I thought of, I, I was starting to think like maybe Crestone Peak at that very, very top part. But then when you said Eolus, that's Cause it's more way common. more on. Because yeah. it's, it, yeah, when I got off Crestone Peak and I was by myself too, was was kind of like, there was a moment where I had some confusion. I don't know if it was for whatever reason, but I just... I kind of felt like okay, maybe the route, route finding is not quite as it seems sort of blocky and, and ledgy and but yeah, no, Eolus is perfect. I think that that is actually like the absolute if you've done Eolus and prepare for that because I think that's it. Um, the Green Goalie, I don't know if there is anything to compare it to in my mind. I don't, I can't think of anything that's very close. But if I had to, if I had to choose an aggregate, if I had to pick a, you know a average mlb player to pick up Replace a batting average Chandler, for Giambi, rbis yeah <laughs> to pick up a few rbis in his absence i, I struggle with that one I, I don't i don't know that i i can really find a goalie outside of crestone peak but crestone the rock is so different yeah. that i just can't what about i can't put it in the same conversation how about that scramble up sunlight i will put i will put the dirt up sunlight's gully there Similar to that dirt scramble up pyramid. I can see that. I mean, I just, I look at, 
like he's like Sean said, when you see that green rock, it almost gives him heart palpitations other places because it's you just you think about like that. I think that might be one of the more unique places on any 14er in Colorado. It's just it's just that green goalie because it's the gully on the needle was as as like wide as wide. Not it's as not like, as enclosed. Yeah, and I would say. It's just the steepness of it. I know the the red goalie goes for, hey, it's, it's it goes forever. Yeah. But yeah, I honestly, I think Lindsay might be the closest. Uh, good discussion. What that was about a good you? Question. I like that. Yeah, that was great. What was what was your aggregate? I like. I, I was thinking the steep switchbacks from Missouri. Okay. Um, the amphitheater. I was trying to think of crossing Boulder Fields. Worst Boulder Fields I was crossing was that route we try to do on conundrum conundrum hot springs where we're on mm. like that loose ankle twisting rock the whole for a long time um we, we should really do a podcast about that this week while i'm here <laughs> the only other thing the, i can compare to the amphitheater maybe maybe uh up a uh, killpacker a little bit it's not as amphitheater it's it's just Rock, to jumping me, rocks. To me, like coming back down. Oh, uh, that, that's true. The, the, the descent down. The descent from Mount Wilson into Kilpacker was very reminiscent. I'll, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Yeah. Yes. We did that so Longer, fast. But yeah. <laughs> Long. Oh yeah. My brain didn't remember it. Yeah. We still remember. Get out of. <laughs> get out of. Uh, oh, yeah, that's good. Yeah, Kilpacker. But yeah, that's the empty in longs. I think that's it. There's, there's no other real. How much theme. water did you take on your day trip up Pyramid? Three liters, two I'm liters. I'm pretty sure I ran out both times. I ran um, out the time I did and it too. I think t- I might have taken three liters the first time. I think I stupidly only took two the second time. There's like no water until you get back to like Crater Lake. None, none, zero. Even if you cache some water at the saddle, you know, wouldn't necessarily be a bad idea. Full now. That's actually a really good saddle. idea. Yeah. Because it's a long way from that saddle. And there is no water on the route, period. It took us six hours to descend with a diabetic. I don't think that's unreasonable. Um, Because, well, so the descent. So, yeah, you were enjoying this beautiful summit. When I was there, um, were there mountain goats when you and I were up there? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think both times I had mountain goats on the summit, too, on the saddle and the summit. But uh, Pat and I somehow got a little... A little bit off route. I don't think we're that far <laughs> off route, but we didn't. A little bit. We kind of took a, a route. We, we dropped down too quick from the summit to get back down to that green gully. And so we kind of had to do this descending traverse, which got, we got into some, I would say, class four down climbing. And as we all know, down climbing is a lot more difficult, you know, maybe even approaching class five. But yeah, it was a, two, there were two or three moves that I remember were like pretty like, this is pretty technical. Like I didn't feel frightened at all, but it was like, this is like, I'm taking, yeah. um, I'm using a different type of technique than I would normally. So where is the best place to grab a beer and a after summit celebratory dinner? Oh man. After pyramid. If there's anywhere you want to go. I've, I've always, I love going to Aspen brewery. Uh, that's my favorite because they have a pyramid peak porter and yeah. that's, and I had the pyramid peak porter after I did. Right pyramid god there's so many good restaurants yeah i mean it's you, you can't go wrong just grab a place but yeah aspen brewery to me was always that's my spot and speaking about pretentious spot. the bartenders there are used to the aspen crowd so the people that fly in there and pretentious and have too much wealth and so the bartender was super kind of cold standoffish to us 
and Tui overheard us talk about climbing pyramid and climbing the bells and he knew we were native Colorado or Coloradans. We weren't just people that flew in there. Yeah. And then suddenly he was like telling us about how he was climbing La Plata the next day and he warmed up yeah. to us. And so he, it's like we had we signified to him we were not this typical Aspen. <laughs> Aspenites. Socialite. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, I know the French are assholes, right? <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> Would you do Pyramid again? You've exiled Michigander has done it three times? No, just two. Twice. Um, I don't know. I think, you know, and I, I said this. I think I joked with you when you were like always getting wanting me to do North Maroon with you, and I was like, I need another year, I need another couple years or something. I can't remember, but I think same, you know, maybe in in a couple more years I might be ready to do it again. I mean, it's I do kind of long for it in a way. I yearn for those views again and the experience. When in Kyoto, but like <laughs> I think with the elk, for for me the elks, you, you I couldn't do them like one summer and then do them again the next summer. You need like I need to to leave the ground fallow for a couple of years <laughs> and then maybe you build up the confidence again and you also your yearning kind of goes well enough but yeah i think you know it, it, if you were to ask me if i would do it this summer i would say no you're like i want to savor that experience but i don't necessarily want to be back the right way but then you give it a, like a year or two and you're like okay like i want to go back i'll be back there i gotta take my brother up it so it was fun. I, was, I loved going with Patrick. That was great. I think it was a great bonding experience, even though you didn't summer that first time. You, know, you and I weekend. had done Maroon the day before, and, and it was like there was a lot of camaraderie in that trip. It was one of one of my favorites. That's up, right up there with, with um, some of the best climbs I've done. So. You know, it goes back to like what you we talked about on the last one was, you know, the difference between a solo climb and, and a team climb, and it's just – there's, there's, you get different things out of them, and neither one I think is better or worse than the other. It's just the solo climbs. Some you do those because you're looking for that solitary experience. So you want solitude. You want to be alone in your thoughts. You want to, but you know when you turn around and you do it with the people that you love, and and you have this these great times, and you create these stories. Like the solo climbs, you always remember. Because you got to recharge, but the, the team ones are the ones where you get the stories. Those are exactly. the ones where you had a great camp out. Maybe you drank a little too much the night before. Not recommended. Um, I mean, it's just the ball busting too is fun too. Like you, you know, we we were pretty, you know, no Sean. I mean, Sean gave stuff for the short rope moniker, like because it's it's just one of those funny things. It's right. it's not a it's not a demeaning thing, but it's just it's funny because it's like. I did short rope on one section of the down climb pyramid. Did you? Of yeah. course you did. <laughs> but you should always short rope if you want to short rope, especially short and stiffler. But yeah, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun to experience these things with with good friends because what isn't more fun in life when you have good company? I, yeah, totally agree. All right, so we'll end the podcast with the standard question that we ask every episode. If you had three words to describe your experience on Pyramid Peak. What three words would you choose? Exile Michigander has to go first. Why do I have to go first? Because <laughs> it's this timeline. Because <laughs> in this... The Exile Because the Suso determines who goes first. Hmm. I don't... You know, there, 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 sometimes the English language, as rich as it, as it is, there, there is a dearth of the words that you're looking for. So one of my words, you know, is probably going to be inspirational but that doesn't really capture the sense that i'm looking for because it's it's this the word i'm looking for is something that like just like 
fills your heart up with something hmm. um like and because that view when you get to that saddle is just like this energizing recharging like this the, the beauty of the world you know these mount these mountains and all their diversity and then the the green of the valleys below them it's just like so so filling you know um so you know inspirational doesn't quite capture it but that's the word i'll choose um technical i would say i think this is one you have to get ready for there are more technical ones uh, for sure but i think this is um one that you you have to be ready for and especially if you get off route like you know i said colorado trail patrick and i you know we got a little off route and we got into you know it was solid class four down climbing and maybe a little bit more than that so especially if you get out off route at, at all you're going to be doing some having some technical um technique that you have to do technical technique that's not really a thing but and then the third word and this is again is something i'm, I'm, I'm lacking a word for but i would say the closest word you can get is transformational but that again it's like the sense of pride like once you're done with it i had this fulfillment out of it and it was it was like i'd i think all the elks after you after you do each one of the elks uh, maybe not included including castle and conundrum but once you complete snowmass capital maroon north maroon and pyramid when you do all of those you have a sense of completion and fulfillment and almost it's like you've gone to this next level you know in the 14ers like you've 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 gone up a step mm, i like that so that mm -hmm. that's what i mean by transformational yeah i can see that because you that's didn't great. know whether you could do pyramid when you started doing the 14ers and once you accomplished it safely you would switch the page yeah so those are my three that's good that's deep that is deep god i have to dig deep on that one huh i'll jump in <laughs> can't overcome that one transformation is a great one um uh, first one that comes to mind is grand just it goes it, right back it's just a different word for the same meaning just the view uh when you when you get up there you just realize just you know the grandeur of of what you're looking at and what you've you've achieved and that ties into my second word i think would be is a really it's a it's a four-letter word but it's it's a it's a it's a tough one to say sometimes but it's love and that's hmm you know, I think doing a mountain, you know, climbing a mountain and experiencing a mountain like pyramid is for the love of what you're doing and and why you're doing it. And that ex it's you really get all aspects of mountaineering in that climb. And you can really it just you walk away from it. You know, as Sean said, it's transformational. And that's that's just it is it's love is that I love climbing mountains i love being on the outdoors and the wilderness and mother nature and, and love challenging myself so it's just it's you know i think that would be my second word i guess you know the last word i think would say um partner because i think like uh you know when when sean said that there was like a bonding experience i think that was you know we climbed mountains before but i think that that was that experience kind of hmm. sealed you know when you when you when you describe somebody you know when you're out and about and you're like hey how was your climb what'd you do it's you go from saying like my climbing partner sean to my good friend sean or <laughs> to i mean it ties in a lot of different areas where you can have friends where you do a lot of things with but 
you know, when you're out there and you put your life on the line, you trust somebody and, and they're there for you, that that creates a whole nother level of friendship. And that's uh, I think that was a, a really cool experience that we we had to endure together. And he was he was there to help me. And yeah, that was a lot of fun. So I think that, that, that for me, the, one of the coolest thing about doing 14ers with others is that you really you build this intimacy and trust with people. And that's why. You know, we had this discussion last time about soloing, which is, you know, from a safety perspective, really stupid. But also, when you go solo, you don't build these amazing relationships with people. And so I think doing them with people is going to certainly enrich the sauce of the 14ers for you. What are your magical three? Uh <laughs> Redemption is the first one for me because there's something amazing about one I didn't know I would be able to do when I first started the 14 years, having failed one time and then going back, uh, leading someone else up there and doing it myself. Uh, huge redemption. Um, breathtaking. This is, we've used this before, but the views, different rock, views of Capitol, Snowmass, the Bells, it's hard to beat with the jagged rock from the summit. Um I really like that transformational one that Sean, that Exile Michigander used, but it's like, it's a feeling of just like, like you're filled with optimism and and energy and air and chest swelling. Yeah, that's not bad. Let's do that. Bravado. Let's do let's do bravado. Let's do bravado, redemption, and breathtaking. But bravado has connotations of arrogance. It does. And I don't think. That's what you mean, because I never, I didn't feel arrogant after. I knew that I had like, uh, you know, but you know, I think like the tre- just if you can just take away that a little bit know, of arrogance from chest bravado, swelling. okay, yeah, because you know you've like, it's but not it's, like you conquered anything. It's also dangerous and hard route finding, and so it, the fulfillment is added from that uh, difficulty perspective. That's why the pyramid peak supporter is bright mm-hmm. framed up there, because I'm and so proud of that. Why do they call it pyramid peak? Because it looks like a pyramid. Uh, why do they call him Boris the Bullet Dodger? Because he dodges bullets. <laughs> I want to do a disclaimer that you make your own decisions in the mountains. Look at the trip reports. Look at the route description. Take the route description with you. You make your own decisions in the mountains. And we just really had enjoy reminiscing about our experience on Pyramid Peak. Guys, say goodbye. Ciao. Good night, Gracie.